With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Murder on the Orient Express. Would you mind if I join you? You're the world-famous detective, Hercule Poirot. Avenger of the Innocent. Is that what they told you in the papers? And you are innocent? Huh. <laughs> You're fun. A passenger has died. He was murdered. The murderer is on the train with us now. And every one of you is a suspect. <laughs> so, let us catch a killer. A man was rummaging around my cabin in the middle of the night. You are certain it was a man? I know what it feels like to have a man in my bedroom. What did you think of the dead man? You leave her out of this. Did he have enemies? Pick a number. The real killer is right here. One of you people. We are surrounded by lies. I'm sleeping here, where everyone can see me. And I can see everyone. Who takes up the knife? Cannot trust a one. No one. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Murder on the Orient Express. This is the 2017 version directed by Kenneth Branagh and the story is as follows. A lavish trip through Europe quickly unfolds into a race against time to solve a murder aboard a train. Everyone's a suspect when Detective Hercule Perrault arrives to interrogate all passengers and search for clues before the killer can strike again. The film is starring Kenneth Branagh, Penelope Cruz, Willem Dafoe, Judi Dench, Johnny Depp, Josh Gad, Derek Jacoby, Leslie Odom Jr., Michelle Pfeiffer and Daisy Ridley. Once again, as I said before, it's directed by Kenneth Branagh and written by Michael Green. Joining me for this review, I have Deanne Kiazese. Hello. And joining us for a review for the first time on the Next Best Picture podcast, you've probably seen his work on the website. It is Daniel Howard, everybody. Yay. Hello. Very, very happy to finally have you on, sir. Yes, happy to be here. Okay, so we know the Sidney Lumet version, 1974 pretty decent film overall it's a good mystery it's not uh something that i don't think has aged particularly well so i was very curious to see what brana would bring to this and in my estimation turns out that he brought a very very good character and a very good performance in front of the camera but behind the camera oh man this movie's got a lot of problems as far as i'm concerned uh daniel you're new here on the podcast what did you think yeah so i've never seen the uh, any adaptation uh not the 74 or any other adaptation of this movie so i didn't know the ending or anything which i think helped a lot because for uh, this type of movie to be successful uh the the mystery really needs to be alive so um i thought it was okay um nothing more nothing less it's not really anything particularly memorable you know it's just uh it's got good style i thought for the most part some of the visual effects are a bit weak but uh some of the cinematography is pretty good production design costume design 
Um, and like you said, the, the best part of this uh, are the characters. Uh, Poirot is great, as are all the other characters. I thought they were all, for the most part, um, interesting and kind of fun to be around. But the mystery was never really that intriguing. Um, so, yeah, I just, uh, it's okay. Uh, it's very forgettable, but it's, I, I, I struggle to find anything particularly negative to say. But uh, all I can say is it's fine. Yeah, I think I'm in a similar place as you. I, I had never seen the original, so the story was new to me, which, to your point, should have made it almost better in a lot of ways versus people who are really familiar with the source material in the original movie. Um, but uh, it just did really feel like Kenneth Branagh just really, really wanted to play this part. And holy cow, I mean, he did, and he did really, really well. Um, but I actually was kind of let down uh, regarding some of the other characters around him. I, I like, For example, just... Um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, I, I thought there was something so strange about that performance to me. It just didn't work for me. So, um, you know, I, I'm with you. Overall, it was good. I don't think this is something that's um, going to make any top 10 lists this year. It was just there. I completely agree. I am probably very harsh on this movie, I would say, because I really do think that Kenneth Branagh's character of Hercule Poirot, with all of his um, meticulous details and his, you know, idiosyncratic uh, like uh, you know quirks and everything else that comes along with that character is just so much fun to watch and he's so entertaining and he overshadows everybody in the movie that it almost came off to me like Kenneth Branagh was almost like so in love with this character that it almost feels like a vain project. You know what I mean? Like, all it's right. oh, it's, it's all about me. It's all about me. You know? You did feel like that. Right? It, like, if he didn't direct this movie and somebody else did, I would not be saying this. But it is very weird that he literally gets the most character development, the most moments of insight into what makes his character unique and makes him tick, and just overall focus in general. But is not is that not how the 74 version is? Yes. No, it is. But I, I don't know. I, I just feel like with so many well-respected actors on display here, I really do feel like they all could have been given just a little bit more. Um, Johnny Depp is, you know, effective but wasted. Judy Dench feels wasted. Penelope Cruz feels wasted. I thought Josh Gad had a nice moment. He had a couple, well, a couple of scenes. Like he was the one yeah. probably positive, I would say. Right, right. And Michelle Pfeiffer. Right? I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer's got a moment towards the end. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I thought she did all right. I think I liked her probably better than you did, Deanne. Yeah. Well, now that I'm thinking about the end, I, I kind of see what you're saying. Um, I was thinking more of the first uh, couple of acts, but you're right about that end scene. But, you know, there's just moments where, you know, I'm trying – this is like one particular moment that I that I keep coming back to where um, Kenneth Branagh – it's the moment when he's like struggling to come up with the word fudge. Yeah, that was pretty hilarious. He's like, he's like, what do you call that American word for the chocolate? The, uh, the, the fudge. This is the fudge. And it's like, <laughs> dude, uh, I, I just got this like overriding sense of like, God damn, like Kenneth Branagh, you're, you're such a great actor. I want to see you acting more. I'm getting kind of tired of your directorial efforts. I, I just don't feel like as a director, I don't, I don't think he's good. I, I really don't. I think he's very inconsistent and he's probably at his best when he's doing these Shakespearean adaptations. And that's probably why he worked so well for Thor because he was able to inject a bit of that into there. But this, it just right. felt like the, it was a mess at times in terms of balancing characters, um, telling the story in a logical way that um, sometimes I feel like the movie is like too complex for its own good. 
and it actually loses the audience and disengages with us as opposed to getting us um, feeling like we should be intrigued, if that makes sense. I definitely agree with that. I, I felt like the story, it never grabbed me. I didn't really care too much. Uh, about who who the murderer was. I, I was more... In- it happens to a guy that's kind of despicable, so you're like, oh, well, good riddance. Yeah, exactly. And, and and they kept showing, like you said, there's not a lot of character development, so so I don't really care who did it, and it just it just never... There was no fear. There was no... There were no stakes. The murderer really wasn't, you know, coming back and wasn't threatening anybody, so it was just kind of... I didn't really care. You know, but then the film then tries to do this whole... Uh, contemplative let's talk about the scales of justice and let's talk about what it means to uncover the truth and let's also talk about how murder is a ripple effect and morals and you know blah 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 but the movie's trying to put forward something to say about these things and there were moments where i felt like they were on the cusp like just just so so close to achieving uh, a moment or two of brilliance but it just never fully comes together, and I think it all falls squarely on the shoulders once again of Brana, who, as a director, just isn't able to make these pieces come together as a whole. Yeah, well, it's crazy. You got Michael Green too, who wrote two of my favorite movies of the year, <laughs> and then I, I, you know, so I don't know how much of that's in the screen. Wait, 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 which two movies are that? Logan and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh wow, you're right. I didn't realize that. Holy yeah, crap! Yeah, he also did Alien Covenant, which isn't one of my favorite of the year. Wow, he's having a bit of a year. Yeah, he's having a year. And uh, this one certainly falls short from some of those other things. But yeah, once again, like the quality of writing that's there for the Perot character, you know, I don't know. I, I just, for example, like these just little, little, tiny little things like the like the way he likes to eat his eggs, you know, or yeah, that scene I said before with the fudge. There's just these little tiny moments that if they had just focused a little bit on giving the other characters those little tiny moments as opposed to caricatures instead, you know, we've got the yeah. we got the racist uh, professor. We've got the stuck up, uh, you know, princess uh, royalty. We've got the religious woman with the dark past. It, it just seems like. They're just caricatures, and they they don't get fully developed and realized characters that these actors are very perfectly capable of sinking their teeth into. Yeah, to me, it felt it felt well, obviously, like the blockbuster version of this movie. Whereas if they had gone with a little bit scaled back, uh, focused less on, I mean, the, the the style, like I said, is the best part. But but I think they were so focused on the style and the train and the atmosphere that they neglected everything else. I actually disagree with you. I don't think this movie's got good style at all. I don't think really? it's Yeah, I don't think it's shot well. Um there were some okay, I'll give some examples. There's like a, a few, maybe two overhead shots where the camera's looking down for yeah. a very long time when that just feels very unnecessary. And it almost feels like, A, they didn't have enough coverage to edit to something else, or B, they just got lazy. Well, they were trying to probably, like, make that containment of the train car sort of feel alive a little bit with the way they shot those. But I also found it off-putting. Yeah, that that didn't bother me. Uh, And what's funny, you mentioned the coverage. I I felt there were other times uh, where they felt like they had so much coverage that the editing was pretty frantic. They were cutting back and forth to different shots really frequently. And it it was that those moments were a little bit more off-putting to me than the overhead shots. But I could see see how that would be, you know, annoying. That's kind of a weird shot. Yeah, and I also didn't like the 
camera shots that were shot through windows or glass and you got like reflect reflections of the characters oh i love that that's interesting you didn't like it yeah i liked kind of like that first shot you're talking about where they're kind of scanning the whole train as people are coming on oh see like that like that too like that's just so gimmicky where the camera is um it's supposed to be like from Hercule's point of view, and as the camera's moving down the train, it glances over at each character, and each character says their lines of dialogue in the order in which the camera is like moving down the cart. Like that is just so so. Oh yeah, silly. no, I did not like that. What I'm what I'm talking about is more those those shots. I'm thinking of one specifically on Michelle Pfeiffer where it's shot through a window, and you just get this fragmented view of her as it moves. Those are the ones that I like. But no, I totally agree with you about that moving through the train. It felt like a trailer shot because they used it in the trailer. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And the visual effects are not particularly good, like you were saying before. Um, The music is not memorable. The overall just visual aesthetic of the film, I don't think is anything special either. So on a visual level for me, outside of costumes... I, I really did not find anything really that aesthetically interesting nor pleasing about this. I'm going to sound so awful, but I had the hardest time with that mustache. And I know it was, <laughs> I know it was part of it, but it made me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked the moment with the uh, mustache uh, face mask. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that, that's that really was funny. good. Yeah. But once again, that's a little character detail that they give to him. Yeah. And nobody else in the movie gets anything like that. Sure. Right. So that that just feels like such a, I don't know, I'm going to say it again, it just feels like such a vain choice on a director's part. Um, I don't I don't know how much of that is to blame on the screenplay. I don't know how much of that is to put on the on shoulders of uh, Brana. But what did you guys think of, uh, oh, wait, sticking with visual style uh, still for a minute. Uh, you know, another very, very corny thing that this film also does is black and white flashbacks. Yeah. That was weak. Right? I I just, I, I don't know. I just feel like Brana is, as a director in this, I there's just some things in this that just don't, I don't know, I'm like having a hard time putting it into words. I guess I'm just really baffled by uh, just how inconsistent this movie was. So, moving over then to uh, some things I talked about before. What do you guys think about the overall themes of the film? Uh, and how it viewed murder uh, and how it viewed justice, the, the searching for the truth, et cetera, et cetera. What you guys think of the commentary on that? Uh, I'm going to be honest. None of that stuck with me at all. Uh, I, I I saw this movie two days ago and, and it's just not memorable enough that n- nothing thematic jumped out at me almost at all. Yeah, I saw it last night and I'm in agreement. I seriously didn't pick up on any of that. There was never a moment where I was like, huh, okay, this is making me think about something or process something. None of that happened. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's moments of brilliance where you can see that they're trying to get at something, but it never fully materializes where it can then uh, have that resonating impact on you. Uh, Another thing that like also bothered me a lot were uh, the moments where they tried to make this an action film. Yeah. You know, Hercule Poirot is carrying a cane throughout most of the movie, and all of a sudden he's fighting. Like, did, like does that make sense to anyone? <laughs> no, not at all. And that, that scene, uh, or that moment near the beginning when he's in, what was that, Rome? Or, or no, no it's uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, yeah. And uh, he sticks the cane in the wall, and the guy, you know, oh, runs into it inexplicably. That was so random. Yes, like, how do you not see that? <laughs> I know, it was so stupid. It was. Very, very stupid. 
I kept thinking to myself, well, oh, this must be what this story is, and just kind of attributing everything to somehow, it, you know, making throwbacks to the original. I'm just curious from your standpoint, Matt, like, did any of those themes come through better in the original? What were some of the key differences? I think that the uh, themes come through a lot better in the original. I really, really do. Um, key differences is really just in terms of how the characters are balanced and showcased here. Um, with this movie, there's increased element on trying to make this, and I, I, I hate saying this term, but Hollywoody. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's uh, an increased effort to make sure the visual aesthetic is pleasing so it can play on a very, very big screen and to also uh, make sure that, you know, there are some action scenes like an avalanche of snow and so on and so forth that are going to be like visually like, you know, stunning and keep the audience engaged. Um, But to Daniel's point, the thing that would have kept us more engaged is if there was a second murder or some taunting by the murderer or something because I just didn't really feel like there were – Stakes, and I didn't really get a sense of tension or claustrophobia of being on this train and what it means for these people that the killer is amongst them. Like, I never got that overriding sense of fear and dread. Now, what, without getting the spoilers, kind of the ending makes that lack of dread make a little bit more sense, I guess? Yes, yes, I will say it does. But it, but it doesn't make our experience as a viewer any better. Correct. And that's why the themes of the film needed to resonate more in order for that to yeah. uh, land heavier on us. And it doesn't. It lands heavy on the character of Perot himself, which as he's walking away from the movie and he's like, oh, this will weigh on my conscience and so on and so forth. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Um, which leads me then to ask you guys, without getting into spoilers, do you agree with the film's ending? morally speaking uh that's a tough question um because like i was saying uh the the themes didn't really hit me hard so i feel like at the end we were supposed to have this you know when poro has his moment you know where he's yelling at them and all that and uh i feel like we're supposed to have some big emotional connection and and be moved by his whole speech and i just wasn't um, so it was just more the the wrap up of the mystery more than any big moral moment. So I didn't really care, to be honest. I don't really care. Yeah, I think that's just the flaw with the movie because I am li- literally in the same boat as you. I mean, I, I was kind of interested to see how it played out, and I I mean, I thought that that scene was effective, but it there was nothing that resonated. Yeah, and then you know throughout most of the movie, you're going to present to me some very laughably bad, campy dialogue. Like, um, I'm trying to think of like, there's one line that really, really annoyed me. Like, um, uh, I don't know. Something, something like, I, I, I love the darkness, but I cannot stand the light. Yeah. You know, <laughs> things, yeah. right. things like that. I'm just like, Oh my God. Like some of Penelope Cruz is like over the top, you know, oh. religious stuff. Yeah. Yep. 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 You know, it's just, it's just, Oh God! No, like uh, this one scene where somebody like says uh, to um, another character, I think about about Perot. No detail escapes his notice, and it's like <laughs> we don't need that line of dialogue to tell us tell us this about the character. Like this movie needed to show action as opposed to using dialogue to illustrate character. Yeah. Well, you know what's really funny is like you know they, they kind of introduced him and in uh, around um, these quirks that he has that also is his gift, but also a little bit of a curse. I mean, honestly, I think that's an interesting theme to play on. I mean, there's probably some mental illness, like some OCDC 
or OCDC, OCD <laughs> playing in there, right? Like, I think you could have almost explored that in modern times, uh, you know, and how it would play today. And that could be more interesting than what we got. Maybe that would have been more interesting. Let, let's tell a modern version retelling of Murder on Yorian Express. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get it. Get us that version. Some, you know, someone. Let's, let's, let's do it. Yeah, this is a tough one to talk about. I feel so bad. I just wish I had more to say. Yeah, same. Well, I'm going to give you that platform right now because I'm at that point, Ian, where I'm going to ask you now for your final thoughts on the film. Great out of 10 and Oscar potential. Anything else you want to say? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I would give this a three out of 10. I was very underwhelmed. I was frustrated at times. Um, And I'm in agreement with you, Matt. What really bothered me the whole time is knowing that he directed that movie. And I think there was a lot of missed opportunities. So I found that frustrating as I was watching it. Um, So for that reason, I just, uh, you know, it's... uh, it's a one and done for me. And any Oscar potential? No, sir. Okay. Daniel? Uh, I think my grade out of 10 is going to surprise you guys a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. And uh, the reason for that, that seem, may, might seem a little high, uh, as I was watching the film, I didn't really have much, many negative thoughts. Um, I just kind of, it was it was kind of mindless entertainment. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like, okay, uh a little murder mystery. I thought the style was all right uh, overall. So it was just kind of vaguely enjoyable. And then when I left the theater, I basically forgot everything about the movie. So it's, it's, I I don't think this is an offensive movie in any way. I just think it's bland, uh, a a bland attempt at a blockbuster. So uh, I give it a a vaguely positive review, uh, even though I'll probably never think about this movie ever again. Uh, and Oscar potential, I would say n- almost certainly nothing. I guess you could it could have a shot at costume design or production design, but uh, I, I doubt it. And I'm going with a 3 out of 10 as well. Outside of Kenneth Branagh's performance, like nothing else for me works here. And I will say that I, I really – can we all agree that he, his performance as Perot is fantastic? Yes. Definitely. So – Considering he's in every scene in the film, and the movie is all focused on him, I can see why that would increase people's enjoyment of it. So I would say that for more um, hardened people, you know, that are very uh, harsh on movies, <laughs> you'll probably land uh, a little bit more into our negative camp. But maybe if you like uh, Daniel in this instance, where it's not offensive, it's not. You know, because it's really it's not offensive. Nothing pisses you off while watching it. It, But but to Deanne's point, I I think it is a missed opportunity. And what actually angers me so much about it is the fact that he's so damn good in this movie, Kenneth Branagh, that I do feel like he focused way too much on that character instead of the rest of the goddamn movie. (laughs) And that is what bugs me about the whole thing. So I think... I think costume design could happen. I don't think production design. Ugh. There's what? Only like four cars in this movie and they all look exactly the same and we never really even get the chance to explore the whole train. You know, like the sense of geography in this I didn't think was really good at all. Yeah, I, I was I was confused. That's a good point. I was confused at like where uh, – I forget the characters' names, but the uh, Lucy Boynton and her husband. Yeah. Uh, I, like I did – I never knew where they were in the train. It was really weird. Yeah, you know, you're going to do inside the cabin overhead shots of everything. Why don't you do like an overhead shot of the train moving? Uh, do like a little dissolve of the roof so we can then see from a visual effects uh, point of view shot, you know – 
where everybody is in each train cart and everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, give us an overall layout sense of what's going on. I, because I'll tell you right now, like the claustrophobic feeling that this movie's supposed to give off, it, it just, it, that didn't succeed at all. So, yeah. I think they really, really needed to open it up a little bit more to show us exactly where everybody was on each train and give us a sense because it, it, it's it's true. It's confusing at times, very confusing. So it's indicative of the movie overall. Three out of ten costume design, maybe, but probably not. And Kenneth Branagh is fantastic. I did laugh a few times. Did anybody else laugh? Yeah, quite a few times. I don't know. I think there was something wrong with me. I think I was grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> it was that mustache that, that mustache <laughs> definitely uh put you put you in a bad mood Alrighty, well eh, so that was that deanne where can i find you on the internet i'm on twitter at tweedledd 33 and mr howitt thank you so much for being a part of the show for the yeah. first time hope to have you on for many more where can all of our dear listeners find you on the internet i'm on twitter as well at howitt dk you can listen to me on my main show, The Screeners Podcast. Woo! And you could find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our podcast review of Murder on the Orient Express on the Next Best Picture Podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to give us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable, and we will read it out loud on air on our main show, which you can also listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.